Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. And this is Fred Schenkler. Hey, Carl. Hey, Fred. So I know as we're recording this, you're just coming back from Rams. Get any, how'd it go? Get any interesting stuff out of that? It was a really good Rams. There were a lot of people there, very well attended, and a lot of uh, dialogues and things. Uh, I did the usual two tutorials and then did one panel. Uh, so really busy, but, uh, but but fun. There was one interesting uh, couple of questions during one of the tutorials that I thought would be fun to talk about because it's it, it's where we live. It's the it's where a lot of people live. So. Mm-hmm. What it had to do with was uh, a couple people brought up kind of a question of me as the tutorial instructor and anybody else that had insight. What do you do when you know that you're being told or mandated or guided to do some method or something that isn't the best way to go and you know it isn't right? What do you do? Do you just do it anyway? Do you not do it do you you know get angry i mean what's the what's the response how do you address it and maintain your integrity and that that just i sat back and thought for a minute i go you know this is not the thing i want to jump and answer right away i'm going to think for a minute and then we had a wonderful dialogue as to what are some of the options to uh to do how do you respond you know i know what you're talking about because it comes up in like contracts the I know the military in particular make their they set their contracts years in advance, and then you're required to report MTBF, for example, and it's just that's part of the checklist that you have to do. Um, some major customers, you know, even when I worked back at Hewlett Packard, they you know would mandate you thou shalt do this test, that test, or this calculation, or whatever. Um, one of, it was my introduction to reliability prediction, believe it or not, was a a uh, a major company, a Fortune 500 company in the IT industry was buying backup tape drives back when we had backup tape drives. And they required that they do a parts count prediction, even though the tech technology and all of the engineering and everything else we knew about how these things worked and didn't work was all related to the little fret, the little glass window that the tape would write over so that it could be read and written to, which kept the spacing and all the other stuff. And when that, every foot of tape would erode that glass just a little bit, and they knew exactly how many feet before they had to replace that thing. And it was well before anything else failed on this system. Well, that didn't deter this procurement person who says, nope, I need a parts count prediction. Do you know? And I was like, do you know what a part count prediction is? No, but I need one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because I'm not going to look at it, but I have to check it off. And we're not going to sign off in this $10 million deal unless you send us one of these. So that I got, that's when I got involved and they said, well, would you do one for us? Because we just don't even want to do it. And I was like, okay. And... Five minutes into it, I, I said, what in the world is this mess? Okay, well, 
I can create oh. a report. I'm not going to worry about it too much. And they got a report that said prediction on top, and they signed off on it and bought the system. And it was, what a crock. What a waste of time. Well, you know, it comes down to what a, what's the purpose of showing up to work? You know, why do you come in to work? What what What's your objective? Is your objective to do what people tell you to do so you can have a paycheck or is your objective to improve the process that you work on is do you want to feel good about what you do is really a personal discussion like when i when i started to respond to the uh, questioners in this uh, um, tutorial they i said we got to start with the subject of integrity it's so important that you whatever you do that you maintain your integrity because when you lose that, then, then work is not going to be fun. Life is not going to be uh, the way you want it to be. So we talked about different things that you can do, different strategies that maintain your integrity. I told them right at the outset that I'm not going to tell them to destroy their career. In other words, we're not going to have you put your career at risk if you don't want to. In other words, you, you've got, you have a family to support, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so what it came down to, and it was really interesting, Fred, I referenced our book, the final two chapters where we mm -hmm. talked about soft skills. I said, what you can do is learn better the soft skills, the skills of communication, the skills of, of um, listening, the skills of uh, basically formulating your ideas into, into uh, some type of communication. Well, there's... Well, I have to comment on your the way you phrase it because we need to add a section on grammar in the back. Then um, it reminds me of more better okay. the way you phrased it. <laughs> okay. How did I phrase it? I didn't... It, was, it was. I we'll have to go back and listen to it. But yeah, I was, okay. I was chuckling there so for a second. Was like, uh, I run into that all the time because we got to do a, a grammar check here. <laughs> not that I care much one way or the other. I, I get the idea, and I think that's your point. Is that whatever the strategy is, whether you're saying, well, you know, this isn't really the right way to do this or, um, but I'll do it anyway, all the way to taking a stand and, and saying, no, I'm not doing this. It's how you communicate that, that yeah. is so uh, improves the chance that you'll one maintain integrity, but two get the message across. And that was my first thought when you brought this up is, well, the first thing you do is avoid, getting in a place where you're being told what to do, you know, being told to do something that's not correct or useful or right, uh, or not helpful in any way. But the strategy of saying, you know, I'm just not going to do that, that doesn't get the message across that there's a reason for that. And, and, and being able to communicate clearly that message. The hard part is, is that there's a handful of other people in the building that are saying, that's what the customer wants that's what we're going to do and the trouble is is that they say all right we're going to do that but now we don't have a budget to do the right stuff that's where it gets tricky in my book it, it does because it, the one of the answers and i've used this i've done it uh, two clients come to mind where we do it both ways yeah do, do it the right way and do it the way we're being told to do it but that takes a little more money to do that yeah and it's a, a convenient once you're get that opportunity to do both ways. So let's say it's a prediction or you actually have a, a reasonable uh, estimate based on real data type stuff. Um, 
you can compare them and say, do you, which one do you think is more accurate? And let's discuss that. And why do you think it's more accurate or not? You know, this one's based on a table of data failure rates produced 35 years ago. And this is from our internal testing and field history. Which one do you think is correct? <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, that enables somebody to actually see why it's a, why it's different. And we can go theory all day long, but if it doesn't get through, it's really hard to do. So doing both often provides like a, a failure rate and the liable curve that it comes from. Give them the curve and explain it. Um, is so much more powerful than just saying, no, that's that's not worth doing. So maybe there may be one way to describe this is there might be an economical way to provide both sets of information. Mm -hmm. For instance, like, like you say, an extra column in the report or uh, where you uh, look at the Weibull information as opposed to the pure um, exponential distribution. Yeah, or a point estimate and show the and show the difference instead of yes. telling them, you know, that it's not appropriate. That, like you said, doesn't always become possible, but it is a good strategy to say, well, this is part of, this is why I'm saying don't do it that way. You uh, know, when we did our book, we talked a lot about the importance of being able to influence yep. the, and not just because of the book, we've been saying that for years. Yep. You can't do design for reliability without influencing people. And I've always thought of influence to be my, my first thought of influence, not the only one, is is uh, is lateral. You influence other engineers, you influence project teams. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think automatically of the same skills to influence your management. It's essentially you have to look at it from the management point of view. So the content's going to be different, but it's very similar skills. You have to know how to communicate, you have to know how to listen, you have to know how to formulate outline your message mm -hmm. and the and i've always been comfortable talking to management i think some people are i don't know if i use the word afraid or they're well, you know they're, they're outside their element they're outside their comfort zone yeah, is one phrase zone. of it and yet it's that can be practiced you right. can practice going to management you just have to learn how to communicate their language which is often dollars and it's often concise. Yep. Yeah. So I'm the answer back to uh, what do I do when I know it's not right is you have to contemplate. You have to focus on your integrity. You should not do something you know is wrong uh, without some path to get it right. Like if you know something's going to break or it's unsafe or whatever, that's where you have to lay your body on the track. Yeah. You can't proceed. That is your job. And uh, But there's some subtler ones like MTBF, uh, which is basically uneconomical. It won't get you the right results. And you should learn to speak up. And how to do that is going to be communication skills. That was the end result of the conversation. Yeah. I, I think it's communication skills that the, we've talked about a couple strategies. One is, you know, work on the source of the conflict and whether it's the contract language or it's the, 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 the way we do design in this house, you know, those kinds of things is work on influencing and changing those so that those conflicts don't occur. You know, and one argument is, is that the, and I've run into it. I'm sure you have Carl is the checklist mentality. Well, we always do it this way and we check it off 
And then they get surprised by stuff happening in the field and they add another test to the system or they, you know, adjust their checklist only after the fact, even though the team knew that that was a risk and that was a problem. That was something we needed to deal with, but it's not on the list. So we don't do it. There's fix it at the source when you can to avoid it Two is, you know, have, and we talked about it is do both, you know, it's a prediction and it's the viable curve or whatever. Um, do the analysis two ways where, where it gets gray. And I think this holds back some people from knowing what to do is like, you know, this is a perfect case for a fault tree analysis and they insist we do a reliability block diagram. And in my book, and Chris and I talked about it a couple weeks ago is that they're similar. They serve similar purposes. They come at it a different way. The mathematics are very similar. Very similar. But the idea is, is that sometimes do I do a Weibull plot or do a log normal plot? I only have 10 failures, you know, and end of the day, a statistician will say it doesn't matter because you can't, you don't have enough information to determine the difference unless you know something specific about the failure mechanism. Um, don't, sometimes it's a personal preference. Do I wear blue today or green? Right. It's, some of our differences in the tools and methods and approaches we do are subtle and they're not worth going to battle over. You know, we always fill out an FMEA vertically first and then horizontally. And another person will say, well, we do it different than that. Well, the point is, is that you're going to have that discussion. You're going to get something out of the event rather than nitpick of what sequence something goes in it, and you end up with the same result or a good result but if you spend half the time battling oh no 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 that shouldn't be labeled to C that should be labeled to B you're wasting time you're wasting you're becoming uh, uh, obstreperous I think is the word you're becoming argumentative and you'll be ignored right you've you've said some things here that that, that uh, triggered some light bulbs so I want to cover first of all is a quote completely agree with you. I call it pick your battles. Mm -hmm. The uh, the quote I use is from Thomas Jefferson in matters of style, swim with the current in matters of principle, stand like a rock. And knowing the difference between style and principle is a is wisdom. So that's so important. I, I try to live that. The other thing you brought up, which opened up a uh, non, another light bulb is checklist. Because I've run into the checklist mentality. Let's do FMEAs as a checkbox. Let's fill out the form, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the way I address people that are of the checklist mentality is I go, I go deeper and I say, what's our purpose? What are we trying to accomplish? I had a conversation in our condo community with a retired pilot. And he talks about the checklist, but he says he always thinks about why are we doing the checklist? Because sometimes he'll pick up something that's not on the checklist and that becomes the most important thing of it all because of his experience. Mm -hmm. And he's always asking the question, what, what's our objective here? What was our purpose? If the checklist, you don't want to have your entire life be a checklist of things. You want your life to be guided by objectives and purpose and principles. So that just opened up the door here because sometimes as an employee, if your management is trying to enforce 
a checklist, but it doesn't make sense to you, you have to go deeper and ask what the purpose is. What are we trying to accomplish? Yeah. And, and you might get a lot of pushback going, well, that's already decided. Just do it. And then, you know, like, we're, you know, as, as engineers, as design team folks, as procurement professionals, whatever role we have, um, even if you're putting nuts on bolts at a factory, it's, there's a purpose for that. And understanding that, one, helps with job satisfaction all the way through. And yeah. you get a better employee. So I, I've had that discussion with a boss that didn't really know why we're doing what we're doing and said, well, can you find out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go talk to the, our boss's boss and what's going on here? What, why are we doing this? It's almost a dangerous thing to do is to uh, comply. This is such a big subject because I think about regulations and regulatory and uh, codes and things. That's why and I say, well, I just got to comply with the code. Yeah, I stay out of it. I've ever since I first caught a whiff of products having to do regulatory stuff and, and I tipped my toe into it just briefly. I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I'm just staying out of it. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, like, I know. You know it's not my yet, world. That's where <laughs> companies will go out of business if they don't comply with codes. And so it's, it can be a very important topic. Um, what I tell now, just in personal here with some family members. So that I'm thinking of a family member that had a job that wasn't going well and it was this subject of they're being told to do things they know isn't right. And I, my coaching was at some point, if you can't change it and you try and you got to try, you got to try with sincerity and, you know, if you can't change it, then you, you, you can look for some type of uh, change in position or because it's, it's untenable long term yep. to be having to do things because you're told that, you know, that, you know, are not right. So that's, that's the last solution, but only after you've tried everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, totally agree it comes but down to your ability to communicate well it's you know tantrums didn't work when you were two and three years old and they don't work when you're 30 or 40 either um, yeah, that's right or older <laughs> or older um yet you know there there is the other quote though is the customer is always right and i'm like well the customer is right in their ignorance at this point and that's usually not a good lead to help convince them to do something different um, goes back to communication and meet them where they are and what it's the objective and it's uh, you know trying to make a difference in that it, and it can be done there's no doubt about it um, and I think those people are asking you these, this question and you mentioned there was a uh, when we we're offline that a couple of different people phrased it in slightly different ways but it's that's the start is recognize that what are we trying to do? And is this in service of what we're trying to do? You know, we really do need to use a Weibull analysis on this, not a point estimate, for example, because of this, 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 and 20 other things. Recognizing yeah. that is the first step. Yeah, recognizing it's very important. Uh, the uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a quote here. If I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses from yeah. Henry Ford. Yeah. So yeah. You, you can't just do what people say or think. You know, you have to you have to have the big picture. 
Well, yeah, Henry Ford had the advantage of having enough money to to <laughs> set up a car company, you know, and everything from scratch. So that's a, he he can say, yeah, we're going to build a car. Um, and Jobs right. was accused of doing that too. They don't know what they want. Let's just make this anyway. That's rare. That's yeah. the humility of this. We we can say, okay, well, just don't do what you're told to do, you know, and, and you might lose your job. Well, don't worry about it. I mean, you can't do that. No. There's, there's got to be some humility and, and empathy in the subject. If you're a listener and you've been in this position of, uh, or you have some ideas, you've seen people in the position, we'd love to hear from you. This is not the last word on when I know it's not right. Oh, it's definitely. a broad subject of how to deal with situations like that, how to bring about change in a positive, meaningful way. We'd love to hear from you. And you can do that over at ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. And Carl and I, as the other hosts are, are available through LinkedIn and our about pages. And most recently at, at a conference uh, with, I think, Carl and, and, uh, and Chris were over there. Um, hopefully you had a chance to run into them. Uh, but yeah, we do enjoy it. And this is a one of those questions that's, like you said right at the start, I got to think about this for a minute. How to, because it's so contextual uh, in so many circumstances. Yeah, you want to you want to you want to be contemplative, and you want to be uh, with integrity and with authenticity. Um, it, it's it's an important subject, so we're going to hear more about it. I'm sure. Yeah. No, and we'd look forward to your questions and comments on this. It'd be great. So with that, Carl, I think we'll we'll sign off for this one for today, and and uh, talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon, Fred. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.